Hello, I'm stand-up comedian Kiri Pritchard-McLean here to tell you that I'm on tour with my brand new show, Home Truths. I'm going all over the country, wherever will have me. I'm touring right through the spring and then because some of you lovely lot have bought so many tickets, I'm now getting to tour for the whole of autumn as well. If you would like to get tickets, they're all available on my website or you can go to littlewonder.co.uk and get tickets there. I can't wait to see you and I don't want to brag, but I've got one hell of an outfit. Welcome to Who Are You Wearing? This is a podcast about style and fashion, and I'm your host, Kiri Pritchard McLean. My guest this week is a phenomenal stand up. They're also an actor, a writer, they're loads of things, uh, but they are one of the snappiest dressers I know. It's a fantastic Susie Ruffle. This episode was recorded in April 2021. Susie was home in London, and I was in Wales, all cutched up in my cupboard. Now, I really love this episode. It is always a joy to speak to Susie, really lovely pal of mine who has, I think, just charisma and humour just crackling out of her at every point. And she's also incredibly honest and gifted when it comes to introspection. So I think this ended up being a really lovely episode, especially when Susie talks about representation of gay women in our media. I think that's such an important conversation. And she's just so thoughtful and honest about it. Now, Susie has had a really interesting journey with her style. I was really surprised to hear that for years, she sort of used fashion to just hide away and disconnect from her gender and from growing up. And I think when she talks about feeling like she's sort of I don't know, playing a part for years is going to mean lots to so many of us. You know, that whole pretending to be normal. God, grown up is exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think you're going to love this episode. No, I don't think, actually. I know you're going to love this episode. It's an absolute corker. Um, let's get on with it, shall we? Please sit back and enjoy me asking Susie Ruffle, who are you wearing? I remember always wanting to wear the same thing as sort of I had sort of two best friends growing up who I'm still friends with now Phoebe and Katie and I would want to wear what they were wearing so I've always been copying so there's quite a lot of quite funny photos of us in like those like shorty all-in-ones with like a basketball um and high tops actually so a look that I would love to have now I can remember feeling quite embarrassed by clothes quite early so rather than feeling like oh I feel really great in this. I remember feeling quite silly in a dress from quite early on. So there's a picture up in my mum and dad's house. I'm not sure if you saw it when you came to mum and dad's, um, where I'm dressed as a sailor with a boater hat on. I mean, I was about six and I can remember thinking, I look like a fucking twat. Like, <laughs> I look like an absolute, this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing for me. My brother's embarrassed. Mum seems happy about this. Like... <laughs> I remember not feeling comfortable in a dress from quite early on and feeling a bit like a fraud 
even though I am a cisgender, I'm cisgender and I'm very comfortable in being a woman. I'm a gay woman, but I'm very happy being a woman. Um, but I remember not liking that sort of forced femininity or forced um this is how you meant you're meant to look and when you look like this you need to not run about you need to be prim and proper get off your roller skates so I think that rather than feeling like I felt super confident in clothes I think for me that came actually much much later like into my adulthood when I was like oh I feel great in this and up until then I felt like for quite a long time and this includes sort of my teens and then even into my early 20s. Um, where I would sort of constantly feel like I was trying to look more feminine. And I was feeling consistently quite embarrassed by it, but still trying to make it work. Maybe you just hated the Navy. Maybe. But, but I, I say that and then I'm wearing a nautical shirt. So I give with one hand, I take away with the other. That's the thing with me. You can never <laughs> trust me. Well, how do you... <laughs> how did you feel about what did you wear to school did you wear trousers or did you wear a dress I had to wear so primary school I wore what do you call them like a tunic like a little I know what you mean like a pinafore like, yeah like a very big tabard or tabard it's not tabard is it it's tabard I love tabard though I wasn't going to pull you off on that <laughs> that feels like how hey, a I'm drag like, a queen would say tabard <laughs> it feels like a drag queen name like Sue Tabard <laughs> let me just write that down <laughs> I don't know how long this career is going to last. We'll have to have another one. Um, yeah, so that with a white shirt and I think a tie, even at primary school. And then in secondary school, I wore I wore a green pleated skirt for the first sort of year or so. And then I think once you got to year nine, you were allowed to wear trousers. And then I was straight into Tammy Girl, get them trousers on. And uh, with a with a white shirt, a green and yellow tie and a green V-neck jumper which I actually didn't mind. The, I, I, I quite like uniform. That sounds like I'm going to be like, sexy, uniform dating. Uh, but but more like, uh, I, I, everyone has to wear the same. Great. Yeah. And there's an androgyny to it, which I think I liked. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're like magpieing from friends and liking the idea. Because to me, that's not necessarily copying. That's like, uh, you want uniformity. Mm-hmm. You want a uh, like... Uh, like some kind of expression there you want is to be the same and maybe a parity but so did you have a strong style as a kid then was it coming over in other ways I think like in as much as I was quite sort of confident and outgoing and like performing constantly I mean I guess what some people would describe as unbearable (laughs) (laughs) but mummy encouraged it um so I think that I was confident in other ways but I don't think that any sort of stylishness was coming out. I remember getting a shirt from Morgan for I think my 16th birthday, which was a top that was sort of in the theme of a shirt. So it had like a collar and then it said Morgan on it. And I think it had white cuffs and white and a white collar. But then it was just sort of like a black, sort of quite cheap, thin material. And it didn't have buttons or anything, but I do remember thinking I liked that it had a collar and I thought that was very cool. I remember wearing that with a pair of trousers and a chain belt, if you can imagine such a thing, and white pointed toe boots. I've always liked white boots. 
I love this look. I really love that. That is, I think I could carbon date that to the month of when you bought that. It's so, it's an absolute slap, snapshot of a, of an era. Was it a sort of thin jersey-ish material? That would be right. That would be right, Kiri. Yeah. But I occasionally would be quite sort of, I guess like outrageous with what I wore. So there's like, there's a great picture on my Instagram page, even if I do say to myself, um, of me in this, I think you commented on it, of me in this fake fur coat and I've got really long hair and I've sort of got my legs up and the local newspaper did a story about me moving to London to become an actor. I mean, (laughs) it was a slow news day, sure. And um, now I'm like, how did I have the confidence to be like a full fur fake coat in loads of different colours? Yeah, I'll wear that. But I'm sure I, I must have seen like Destiny's Child wearing something similar and was like, that's cool. People think that's cool. I'll wear that. And I remember having a denim cat suit as well that I thought was very Destiny Child Survivor video. So you're picking from like pop culture mm-hmm. then as, as, a, as a teen and as a kid. And so was it, who was having a say in, in how you dressed? Was was mum involved? Oh, she was, was, she was trying you? to be. Look, Kiri, you've met Anne Ruffle, a lovely woman. But she, yeah, I think she was trying to, she was always trying to make me more girly. Constantly. I would say that it's only now that she like loves what I wear. But even like when I wear a tie on television, I'll be like, I've worn a shirt and tie to like prep her for it before she's like. But I think now she thinks how I dress is quite cool and she sort of gets it. But I think certainly because she was raising a, a small gay, I think she was very concerned that I was going to immediately get short back and sides, wear a Ben Sherman and become very dykey, which I actually think is a very cool look. But my mum was very worried about what that look would mean, what people would say to me, how people would react in Portsmouth, which now I think is a lot more open-minded. But certainly when I was sort of 18, 19, it wasn't. Or at least I didn't feel like it was in, in, in my mind. I mean, cut to now. I mean, it's literally a career. But <laughs> She's basically trying to mitigate any repercussions from being in an area that isn't as cool and open-minded necessarily or, or that was a feeling it is or so she's going like come on let's just temper whatever she felt was going on yeah there. I think I also wasn't out then and so I think that mum was like just put on a dress just wear a print like just so my mum would like my mum loves how you dress she'd be like oh I saw Kiri on something she looked great like she <laughs> would be very into how Whatever you wear sort of feels like a party. Yeah. Like it's, it feels sort of um, celebratory and sort of celebratory in your femininity, whereas I very much wanted to dim that in me. I was like, I kind of don't even want people to... I didn't really want to be noticed for my... I wanted people to think that I was sort of funny. I remember wanting people to think that I was funny from quite a young age and that I was sort of good at drama-y stuff. But I didn't really want people to think any more about me, not even like if I had a boyfriend or anything particularly girly about me, I've never had very big boobs and I was very flat chested and sort of hit puberty quite a lot later than the other girls. So I sort of stayed in that androgynous place, that sort of childlike place for longer, which I really liked where gender wasn't really important. And we were, we were all kind of Peter Pan, you know, and then all of a sudden you get to secondary school and like girls are talking about bras and some girls have boobs and all of a sudden it's a big thing. And for me, I was like, I don't want that to happen. I want to carry on being 
seven. And so I think that certainly at that point, I was sort of, in what I was wearing, I think uniform, and, and not just like the specific school uniform, but like the uniform of what girls wore. So it'd be like very Rachel Stevens-esque, you know, a bootcut jean, a pair of like moshy trainers. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like animal <laughs> trainers or quicksilver trainers, yeah. that sort of thing. And then like a rip curl t-shirt. I sort of liked the idea of feeling like I lived in Australia, which is, and that's how I thought Australians dressed. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Heartbreak High, Drazik is one of the ultimate style icons. I remember when I was growing up thinking, I just want to look like him. I thought he looked really cool. Yes, he lived in a warehouse and probably should have been in social care looking back and, you know. <laughs> but hindsight's twenty twenty. I love the look. <laughs> so in this pursuit of sort of femininity in that you're not out and your mum's trying to sort of, I guess there's an air of protection mm-hmm. there. Um, did, were you ever whacked in anything you absolutely hated? Oh, loads. Yeah, like I, my prom dress. Like my mum got it made for me, which is so nice. And I mean, we were all just delighted that we were having a prom because it felt so American. And at that point, being American was the absolute pinnacle of everything. I mean, mm-hmm. now. Maybe not. But certainly then it seemed very cool to have... <laughs> Pre-2001. Yeah, like, because of, like, Clueless, because of Mean Girls, uh, you know, all of those TV shows that we were watching, you know, Sweet Valley High, and everything was about prom. And so we they, they were like, we, we got to have a prom, which was great. Um, but then it was obviously like, oh, what am I going to wear? And so my mum's friend, who was a dressmaker, made me this sort of very over-the-top girly dress... And I remember wearing fake nails and I probably looked exactly how my mum, like my mum probably absolutely loved it. And I remember feeling like once again, there was that voice in my head going, you look like a fucking twat. Oh God. Is this but become, you, you is this become therapy? At <laughs> what point did the change It's amazing therapy? because I can't like, I've had times where I've felt like, oh, you're like a dick, you know, but, but prom when you're like, it's kind of your like promise that you're going to feel great and everyone's going to punch the sky at the end. So to feel like you're not you and that you're like playing the part of somebody else, I can't imagine the the turmoil and the difficulty. But I sort of felt like that until I was about 21. Like I was playing a part. Feeling like I I was constantly... Sort of it's something that I've now as like a, a, a much older person, uh, not that I'm much older, but much older than I was then, as your senior, Kiri. Um, <laughs> as a 65 year old woman <laughs> but I feel like I was for a long time trying really hard to be normal or what I pers- like you know that word is means nothing to me now really but a pursuit of normal was I just wanted to be like my friends I didn't want to be gay I didn't want to have these sort of fixations with girls I didn't want to have to deal with all those feelings i just wanted to be normal so like we grew up we're about the same age mm-hmm. how did you negotiate the big trend what were the big trends that you remember hitting and being like this is a thing that i need to partake in and how did you negotiate that were there any that suited you yeah the von dutch cap hello yes please i think we can all remember <laughs> i did black and white one yep uh, mum's camouflage so <laughs> could you see me probably because uh, it had Von Dutch <laughs> written in yellow. I thought that was f- unbelievably cool. Um, 
very baggy jeans. I went through that phase. Very baggy jeans and roller skates, not blades, skates. Um, going down the seafront, occasionally a skateboard. I went through a phase of wearing a beanie all the time because Pink had worn one in a video. I think the video for <laughs> You Make Me Sick, she wore a little blue Kangol beanie and I got a little blue Kangol beanie. It was not the same one, but I remember thinking... Well, this is very cool. <laughs> so we better alert the authorities because something very cool is happening. Like I've, I feel like I've worn skinny jeans for seventy percent of my life. Like I, I've been in skinny jeans. So as soon as they came in, I was like, "This is my look. Great, I can just wear skinny jeans all the time." But rather than having like, I didn't go through like a goth phase or anything like that. But it was more the the Avril Lavigne skater boy phase. During any of these stages um, of your sort of like growing up and, and adolescence, was there an item of clothing you had that you put on and you felt amazing or you felt like you in? Do you know what? I don't think so. I don't think that happened until I was in my 20s. Really? Which I think is surprising because I think people see me now surprising. I mean, I don't know how much people have thought about what I wear, but I think a lot of people might assume that I'd always been very confident with clothing and how I dress because now I sort of dress in a way that's very statementy but I think that didn't happen until it didn't happen until I got quite good at stand-up did you hit a rebellious phase and did it show up in what you're wearing I, I had definitely had a rebellious phase at school and I think I think that was probably around the time when I started wearing the baggy jeans got quite into eyeliner eyeliner then became very important and I would say that there was probably around 10 years where I wore eyeliner every single day in the waterline. And I still, I mean, have I got it on today? Yeah, I think I do. You still wear You still wear it? Yeah. It's a bit of a Susie Ruffle trademark, that. Yeah, it was. It used to be a lot sort of thicker. Because I remember I've got like, I've been in this, I've got very long hair that's been straightened within an inch of its life. So that feels sort of, that was sort of my way, and parting it in the middle very Alanis Morissetti rather than over to one side. Okay. That sort of look. Maybe like a studded belt. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted the All Saints one, but I couldn't afford it. Because <laughs> my mum was like, £100 in a belt? Of course not. Um, <laughs> go into Claire's, get one in there. Um, <laughs> so that sort of thing. Went through a phase of um, hooking, having like a bulldog clip for my keys on my belt. Love it. I mean, it's all androgyny. I think that was how it was sort of coming out. But I think that mm. being a bit of a grunger, you know, and this would be like one day a week. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to dress like a grunger today. Is, would you use that word grunger? Is that a very Portsmouth word? We would have said, um, we were called goths in school. Um, but yeah, we would have said skaters about ourselves. Yeah. So we would, you'd say grunger in Portsmouth. My dad always got it wrong and called us gungers. <laughs> and sure and um I, I, I that that style is sort of quite androgynous isn't it and so I think I liked that I remember these fucking massive trousers I had I think they were animal and they had I mean far far too many pockets for a 15 year old where am I going what do I need all these pockets for <laughs> 
literally don't have that many things in I your bedroom. Nothing. I've got nothing. I've got I've got Vaseline lip balm, <laughs> a key to the back door, and a Nokia thirty three ten. Susie Ruffle and there's there's prints in there there's lots of tailoring um when did that start appearing because it's not in your teenage years and it sounds like it wasn't even in you being in most people hit their sort of style in uni or as a teenager but it feels like no that didn't happen for no you. it didn't happen for me so I started starting when I was about 23 so about 12 years ago yeah that's right and that was that that look was pair of white dot martins that had a zip up the front black skinny jeans a black vest and a jazzy jacket i wouldn't have called it a jazzy jacket then it would be like a tailored jacket it'd be something that i'd got from a charity shop that is the kind of thing that quite a confident woman in her 70s might wear that was the look yeah, the pictures I've seen and from seeing you early days, this is when your hair was much longer and curly as well, right? That, and that, I, it was short a... and then I grew it out because an ex, uh, I was worried about being too, I was worried about looking too gay to an ex-girlfriend's mother. So I decided to grow my hair out. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think there's potentially internalised homophobia there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's, there's a lot less of it now. But um, yeah, there was a phase where I had quite long curly hair down to about my shoulders, which doesn't, I think we can all agree, doesn't look great on me. You're very attractive, so I think you can pull off anything. Right, but that I always think that because you can pull off, because you can pull off a short haircut, why wouldn't you? Because that's what not many people can do. So, like, if you've got, if you can pull off short hair, shop it all off, I say, because all you're doing is going, this is just how good my face is. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to what I'm doing and we're like look at all the curtains and fancy things around my face <laughs> yeah I think I think that it's it, it it came down to being sort of confident enough to really go for it with short hair at one point it was like a French crop which I sort of loved my mum hated um <laughs> your hair is too short now that is too short I don't mind that it's short but I'm just letting you know that that is too short um <laughs> you dropped your eyeliner uh, <laughs> I guess he's very problematic but I thought dressing a bit like Russell Brand was very good sort of some chains sometimes like unbelievably skinny jeans like I like I was like like, like they were sprayed on and and I wore that for a while and then I got quite into wearing a jazzy shirt which uh for me is a typical jazzy shirt is the fabric would be sort of a silk or a fake silk, a filk. Um, it would be, <laughs> it would be uh, sort of a bold print. Basically what I want is a Versace shirt, but I've never bought a Versace shirt because they're very, very expensive. So when I go into somewhere like Beyond Retro or like quite a good charity shop, that's the bold print I'm looking for to wear that with a plain trouser. I don't say it's not a plain trouser. It's a denim, like a, a black denim or a blue denim jean. 
uh, with a boot. And then the suits have been something that have come about in, I would say, the last three years. So it's quite recent that I've started really getting into tailoring. And that is where I feel most at home. So wearing, and it took me a really long time to get the confidence to wear a suit and to buy a boy's suit. Because that's the look that I like. I don't want one button in the middle for girls. I don't want that line. I now do wear women's suits, but they're from places that are doing sort of an androgynous tailoring but because I don't have boobs and I haven't got much of a bum, if I wear a woman's suit, there's like a lot of room at the top and a lot of room at the back. And, you know, I've already got trousers with too many pairs of pockets. I don't need any more room. Okay. But, <laughs> do you know, I think it's hanging around with Tom Allen. Tom was like, wear a suit. Just wear a suit. Mm. And so, and being with someone like Tom, who is very confident in how, are you having him on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'll talk a lot about dressing Dickensian as a teenager which would be <laughs> great stuff I think basically that's what I've always wanted to wear I've always wanted to wear a suit I love how I feel in a suit I love how I feel when I put a suit on I feel really confident because for a long time I didn't like how I looked or I was trying to be you know there's loads of pictures of me from drama school wearing like fur gilets which now like my friends that I that I trained with like we'll look at those pictures and be like, who were you? Like, the, like, and like, I wore loads of like really overtly feminine stuff, like plunging necklines to show my like 34A breasts. <laughs> like, do you want to see a, do you want to see a sternum? Have a look. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, I, I was, my, my, my clothes were, were cashing checks that my body couldn't cash. <laughs> my tits couldn't cash <laughs> but then as soon as I started wearing suits and then it took me about 18 months ago something like that I did the Jonathan Ross show and I decided I wanted to wear a suit and tie and it was the first time I'd worn it anywhere I'd not worn it out to like a party or anything that I was like I want to wear a suit and tie and I want a double-breasted jacket and I want to look like Diane Keaton going to the Oscars and I felt quite nervous about that. The lady that did my makeup was like, you look amazing. And it was almost like I was like, this is what I should have always worn. This is what I look best in. All those years of like trying so hard to fit into this box that, that, that I didn't fit in and knowing exactly what it was that I wanted to wear. I knew exactly what it was I wanted to wear. I always wanted to wear a suit and tie. I was always jealous that Tom could wear it. I was... I never understand why men don't wear that more. Like, I'll see, like, you know, especially, like, male comics who, like, some of them dress, you know, some of them will put on an iron shirt. But, um, you know, if they've got a critic in, sure. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> or an ex-girlfriend in the vicinity. <laughs> sure. But, you know, day 24 of Edinburgh, you're lucky if that's only had two shows in it. And, and then I was like, why am I always encouraging men to wear suits when the truth is, is that I just want to wear a suit. And so after doing that and wearing that, I was like, right, this is the look. I know I don't wear it for everything. I don't certainly don't wear it every time I'm doing telly, but it's definitely something that, I mean, do you know what, it's funny because I distinctly remember seeing Sarah Pascoe, who's a friend to both of us. She wore a suit in one of her, in some of her press shots. 
And I remember being quite, like looking at her and being like, she looks great. And being sort of jealous of the fact that I was like, why can't I just do that? Why haven't I been able to just do that? And then, and then I did. But I remember thinking, ah, oh, I'd love to be able to wear that. And then part of my brain just went, you can, <laughs> like you can. Um, and so it's, now I, you know, I really like that you think that I'm really stylish and it's something that I'm, I'm delighted if people think I'm stylish. But if you asked me to put on a dress now, I would feel like a fucking twat. Really? Oh, Just... yeah. I've got a dress that I've worn once because I was in Fred Perry and I was like, maybe this is me. And then I put it, I wore it out and went, nah, still not. And I, and I feel sort of, also if I wear a dress on the few occasions when I have, people make a really big deal out of it. I'm like, you're wearing a dress. Mm. And then I'm like, well, I can never wear this again. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, a bit. And I've toyed with braces for it's a long um, time. That's another thing that I tried to do that as a teenager. Because do you remember when braces were quite in as a teenager? Yes. Yes, I do. I remember accumulating a load from charity shops and I would wear them sort of down around my baggy jeans, I believe, or over a little brownies t-shirt or something, you know, super wacky. <laughs> um, but yes, I do remember. And I remember a look from you as well that is not that, it's not that far away of, I well, a, a stage look I've seen you is, I like how you mix it's not even casual, it's sort of military and tailoring. So I've seen you in a great suit and Doc Martens and I've seen you in um, Doc Martens, skinny jeans and a, and a Fred Perry as well. So I've seen, those are like strong oh, Susie yeah. looks. I went through a phase of just wearing Fred Perry's on stage as well, of sort of looking like a skinhead without the sort yeah. of racist connotations I'm hasten to add. <laughs> well. <laughs> Mate, this is a podcast, please don't. Uh, <laughs> basically, I watched This Is England and went, Vicky McClure's very cool. I mean, basically what I'm learning from this podcast is I don't have style. I am a magpie. And I just go, I'll have that and I'll have that and I'll have that. And today I'll pretend to be this kind of person. Because to me, the great, like Vicky McClure... In This Is England, that great style of a female skinhead, like, that is totally playing with, like, gender, like, what people think of in terms of gender expression. There's a shaved head in there. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, like, a a Fred Perry. Like, you basically dress like the boys and there's tiny bits of softer detail. And by that, I literally just mean you've got sideburns and a fringe on his shaved head. But to me, what you're doing is going... Oh, that's something I recognise that I want to be like, and that's not—it's not necessarily copying. It's taking influence, which everyone does with their style, mm. and and you eventually you're obviously just building yourself up to be your most evolved Pokemon, which is Susie sat on Jonathan Ross in a shirt, <laughs> shirt and a tie and a suit. It was great that the day that I felt like I'd found my look, the cam was rolling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I remember you've got um, my partner's got it here as well. Um, a a great bomber yes um that you wore i remember us having a chat about this because you wore this great bomber jacket for apollo like and a great again nice print and a bit of showbiz to it because there was a bit of a showbiz edge to what you were i think uh, that, that it shows me that you know that what we do is on stage the lights are on us and people are watching and you've you've turned up and you, you're going to give them a show in your performance but also the way you dress and i remember us having a conversation about this because loads of people said where did you get it from and then there was this big kind of a fallout in that people are like 
how dare you shop at Topshop? Yeah, yeah, I was talking to you about that. Yeah, and you made the great point of being like, yeah, but I'm also being on live at the Apollo in an affordable jacket that people can, as opposed to, because I've worn stuff before that is, I've been at the top of my price range. I'm like, I've got this job at Latitude and I'm going to spend all of the fee on this jumpsuit. And then people go, where did you get it from? And then you go, it's here and it's 200 quid, which is like, I that is not yeah. affordable or sustainable or any of those things. And- I remember that. I've forgotten that that happened. But yeah, I, I, I got a load of shit from people going, you know, Philip Green doesn't pay people properly. And I was like, oh, oh sorry. No, I don't, I don't think that I'm, I, that's not my fault. <laughs> But like, you know, I think that's the thing, like some of the suits that I wear now are, would be sort of quite expensive. You know, they're not like in the thousands, but they're sort of, you know, maybe 300 pounds. But if you want a suit made, you're looking at like a lot more money. But I always get stuff off the rail or I will go into a high street shop, buy a man's suit and then take it to a tailor's. That's what I always used to do. Um, Certainly when I, um, when I was trying to do stuff as much as possible, sort of on the cheap. Uh, that would be the mm. cheapest way to do it. And whenever, sort of, it's often when young gay girls say to me, where'd you get all your suits from? I'll always say, like, if you're a girl with, with big boobs, just get a classic men's suit, suit with three buttons and then you can wear it open. And if you're a girl with no boobs, get a boy's suit that's double-breasted and just take it to your local tailors where they can make it look like it was made to order, which is great. But yeah, I think it's really difficult because... You know, I don't want to be someone that is sort of constantly wearing fast fashion and I make a real effort to not shop in those sorts of shops where you go, you know, where is this coming from? How can a top be two pounds? How does that make yeah. sense? I, you know, I can't work out what percentage of the people that are making it getting and what's the girl behind the counter getting? How is this working? What is the model mm-hmm. here? And when something is that cheap, you can't help but go, something's not right here. But I want to if people like how I dress, I want to be able to give fashion tips to people where I can go, okay, you're like in your first year of uni, you haven't got the money to be able to go and spend 400 quid on a suit or 200 quid on a suit. But I think it's really difficult to, because I think you're someone that's really good with like sustainability and you're really good at like shopping local and you're really good at sharing that and shopping Welsh. But I buy lots of stuff. So that's not sustainable. I, you know, like I try and do my 30 wears on everything. And Is yes, that what you I meant to do? 30 wears? It kind of pays the planet back largely if you get 30 wears out God, of I've got a pair of jeans. I've paid the planet back with about 14 times. <laughs> it's time to buy that um, that jet plane, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, they say try and wear something 30 times. And some companies have a brilliant thing where on the label on the inside, there's literally like a little tick thing. So every time you put it in the wash, you tick it off. So you get to a point, you're like, oh, it's full. It's like, it's it's paid its debt back, if you like. Um I'm I'm expressing that very badly and there'll be sustainability people listening to this being like, that's not what it is. Yes, I do those things and I try and buy responsibly, buy small, all that kind of thing. But I have a lot, a lot of stuff. I have more clothes. You know, I could I could wear different a different outfit every single day of the year, probably with all the stuff that I have here, which is not I have I consume too much. So there's no like there's I just don't think there's any perfect approach to it. It's all us trying to reconcile things and especially is what you talk about so important like you're being a visible queer icon who's comfortable <laughs> in their own skin do you I know mean, what we're I mean? throwing around the word icon and i am here for it uh <laughs> <laughs> but you are when you were in and um, was it was it attitude where you and tom hosted and you had suit like we went to the attitude awards and we both on. wore tuxes yeah that was it gorgeous gorgeous and if little susie had seen that back in 
you know, in Pompey when she was like 13, seeing someone like that might have made everything a bit more easy. No, I would have been like, oh my God, I am gay. (laughs) It's not a phase. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I fancy future me. (laughs) (laughs) I should have, I should have stuck with the tennis. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But it is important. It's like, I think it's important um, to be, for for me, it is sort of weirdly important for me to be sort of loudly androgynous in a way. You know, there's certain things as a lesbian, as someone that identifies as a lesbian, that I think is is really important for me to be visible as a, a lesbian. And then I think it's really important that someone who is a cis lesbian is also really inclusive of trans people. Um, because I think that some older cis lesbians might not be. And yeah, I think that my clothing really comes into that for how I express myself and how I look. Me at 15 could not believe that I would say this, but I like that I look queer. I like that people go, she's probably gay. I like that. And I never, ever thought that I would. But because I think that I found a real comfort in it now and I found a real confidence in in being who I am. And I guess it's, you know, growing up there were very few out women, like Sue Perkins, Rona Cameron. I remember Rona Cameron being on I'm a Celebrity being so important to me. And, you know, and now I've worked with Sue and I sort of know Sue a bit. And she was, I mean, I don't think she was out. I think, I think, I think Rona Cameron might have outed her while she was in I'm a Celebrity or something like that happened. But I remember being so, so delighted to see a woman in a suit jacket. Like, isn't that ridiculous? Like, I absolutely like, it like gave me air to breathe. I was like, oh, okay, these women exist. They're like me. It's not just me. It's not, because I think, I mean, now we're getting really into like queer, queer podcasting, but like I think for there was a brief period where I thought I guess there's like 20 lesbians I guess I'm one of the the few lesbians there are because as soon whenever you saw a gay experience on television which still happens now to a degree you know it's wonderful when you see see stuff like it's a sin but you can't help but go I'm sure there were some lesbians around I'm sure there would have been gay women in those pubs to maybe one and I love Russell T Davies and I love that series but there's still this real lack of gay women and there's often stuff with bisexual women which I think is brilliant and I love bisexual women and there's but there's there's so rarely a woman going I'm a woman that only sleeps with women the, the, the it's it's not fluid for me it's it's exactly this this is what I am but yet a lot of these women have we have existed for a really long time you know we've always been around but there's such a lack of visibility and I don't know you know whether that's because it wasn't palatable on television or because there's always been a real like camp humor has always existed and therefore there was like a way to make I guess gay men more palatable to a homophobic audience at one point but you know I feel like growing up there were the gay women on tv were Sandy Toxford, Claire Balding and Sue Perkins and if we look at television now there's still the only three women that I could see hosting a show Mm. you know and so I guess that when I saw women like that, I was relieved. And so now I feel like, like, I don't think that I'm a particularly famous person. I'm sometimes on telly. If you're gay, you probably know who I am. If you're into comedy, you probably know who I am. If you're gay and you're into comedy, you're coming to the tour. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> And mine as oh, well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but I think that I want to, 
be really visible and I want to talk about having a partner and I don't want that to be you know some of the gags are about that most of the gags are about my mum let's be honest but being on a show where I'm talking about having a girlfriend and I'm wearing a tie but a really bold red lipstick and I'm blurring those things that I never I'm like sort of I'm holding on to my femininity but like loving my androgyny something that I never thought I could do as a teenager and something I thought I sort of wasn't allowed to do that now that I know I can do it that's constantly what I want to do that's constantly what I want to wear it's constantly how I want to be visible so that if there's someone like me sort of going oh god I don't want to be gay I don't want this to be me I don't know how to dress I don't want to wear this skirt that's what all the girls are wearing oh god I think I fancy one of the girls I'm gonna have to kiss that boy to sort of throw people off the scent and all that sort of stuff so that someone can go oh she's cool great I'll probably be all right and, and the truth is I'm not cool. Yeah. I'm riddled with anxiety. And I'll probably come off this call and go, God, Kiri hates me. God, I probably don't look such a prick. But, um, <laughs> but I think that that sort of loudly queer is something that's took me quite a long time to get to. And now I'm sort of all right with it. Yeah, and it's you shouldn't... Like, it's so nice that you don't feel like you have to take up less space, which it feels like you've been minimising your your queerness and your femininity and your masculinity and your androgyny for years and now it feels like it's all settled and and taking up as much space as it needs to yeah I think so and I think just like getting hold of who you are and I think meeting people like someone like Jen Brister who is like unapologetically herself on stage who I love who's a really good friend of mine (laughs) I found like enormously inspiring and not necessarily in like a stylized way but Jen just sort of wore what the fuck she liked and I remember being like, that's really cool. And everyone sort of fancied her. Boys, girls, gay, straight, whoever you were, everyone fancies yeah. Jen because she's beautiful. And I just remember being like, oh, okay, great. I-, I can exist in this space. The pursuit to get to your, I'm going to say, the most evolved Pokemon, Susie, which you know what I think it is because the scream drive didn't send it to you. I believe you and Tom were doing... Um, Sky, is it dating near filter? And you're in a blue suit and a turtleneck, and you've got a, a strong red lip. Your hair is amazing, and you've got your beautiful like your eye. Your eyes are so you've got your you've got a professional uh, makeup artist. That's water. what you're saying, Kerry. <laughs> yeah, no, but but you also your eyes are gorgeous. They're like a Disney princess's eyes with a strong red lip, and then this like Disney prince quiff, and then this bold suit. And I was like, <laughs> every time I see Su- like Rachel Fairburn and I will screenshot things and send it to each other and be like, are we gay or do we just fancy Susie? <laughs> Oh my it's god! Like a common you still my beating heart. <laughs> the three of us, let's just go and live in a commune. It'd be great. We can talk about murderers, and then but I'll be like, the... "Girls, I'm, I'm too scared to sleep in the room by myself." <laughs> <laughs> Is it cold in here? <laughs> Being nude would probably heat us all up. <laughs> People need to know on this podcast that we're really good friends, because really out of context, <laughs> that would look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so this this Susie that I've screen grabbed and sent it to I believe with the phrase are you fucking kidding me because you look so good um, is there must have been some experiments along the way is there something you've tried to pull off repeatedly that's not happened oh like yeah almost certainly I can't do a cravat I'd love to do a cravat I can't do a cravat Kiri no. it just doesn't look right I don't know what it is I think maybe I need a waistcoat 
listen, TBC. I'll keep everyone. I, I, listen, I'll, I'll ring in to another episode and let you know how I've got on with the waistcoat. <laughs> when you're on with Tom, I'll interrupt it. Sorry, Kerry. <laughs> I assume you'd want to hear. Turns out I can pull off a cravat. Okay, bye. Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's been quite a lot of looks that I've tried. I had, I've gone through quite a bad phases with my hair. Tom sent me a screen grab the other day of, well, I used to have like, all my hair on one side and then I'd blow dry it curly and honestly it looks dog shit I don't know how people allowed it for so long I don't know why one person I don't know how I haven't got one friend that's good enough to come over to me and go it's not a look we didn't know each other then to be fair <laughs> you would have done it <laughs> Rachel Fairburn would have talked about it on a podcast <laughs> um, but I don't think I look good in a leather jacket which is a huge disappointment to me as a vegan, you must be very relieved. Um, well, I've recently found out you can make... Um, there's a gold metallic jacket out there that is made out of pineapple leather. And it's Oh, so you don't mind eating the pineapples? That's... Oh, yeah. I'll... <laughs> the little baby ones as well, when they're all nice and soft. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would have really put you in a leather jacket. Yeah, I don't think it looks great. It's not... It's, I don't think it massively suits me. I mean, I've got one, sure. Um... But I don't know whether I've really wanted one. I really wanted this very specific one from All Saints. And by the time I could afford it, it was no longer a good look on me. <laughs> I know exactly what you're on about. Yeah. I've had that with been... so many things. Yeah. Like, oh, me at 23 would have looked really banging in this. Unfortunately, me at 31, <laughs> I've somehow missed the boat. I always thought I could wear hats quite well. My partner, Alice thinks I, I have I have quite a small head and I think that hats don't suit me as much as I want them to I'd love to be able to pull off a cowboy hat cowboy boots I'd love to be able to pull off cowboy boots oh Kiri you're like this so when I was like like sort of you know early stand maybe like three four years into stand-up sort of really working out what I would wear I wear glasses sometimes as well and I've got like a headache I've got a pair of prescription glasses and I thought for a while, maybe I'll wear those on stage. They're like little round glasses. And um, I turned up to, and I, and I went through a phase of wearing a shirt with a tank top. And I turned up to a gig. And I think it was in the North. I don't know if you've heard of it. And, um, <laughs> and an act who, I don't even, I don't even remember like who, who they were. I think they were like one of those older acts that's just played five clubs all their life. They've got their 20 minutes. They can host if need be. They know what they're doing. They've got local to the street. You know, they've got local to the bus <laughs> route, you know. And um, I was like, oh, hi, I'm Susie. I'm Susie Ruffle. And someone went, I never realised you were a character act. And I was like, oh, my God. oh no, this is just how I dress. <laughs> Folding down the um, ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> oh, um, brutal. But yeah, so oh, I think. God. So it certainly wasn't like, you know, I got to 20 and I was like, I know what I'm wearing. It was like, there was, there was some really bad outfits along the way. <laughs> um, How about, because you know you wear a lot of vintage stuff. Mm -hmm. What is, what's the item of clothing that you've had the longest that you still love, maybe still wear. Um, I've got some shirts that have been around for a good, for a good while. I've got like a jacket that was my nan's, that I can't get rid of. It's too good. 
And I think it was from BHS. Love. Now deceased, of course. And I really like that. And I just, and I can't get rid of it. I went through a phase of wearing it on stage. And now I think it doesn't look that great. It looks a bit worn out. Because I think my nan probably had it for, I don't know, like 20 years. <laughs> and then she died and I was like, I must wear this to honour my grandma. I must do dick jokes on stage while wearing this to honour my dead grandmother. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that, that I couldn't get rid of. I've got a tuxedo, like tails, you know, like mm-hmm. proper tuxedo tails that I got from a charity shop while I was on tour that was made in 1925. Oh my God, magic. But I've never found a, a way to wear it. I don't know how to wear it. What do you sure. think I should wear with it? When you marry your partner. Yeah, obviously. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. And it's, or it's, conduct an orchestra. It's only it's one of the two. I mean, I assume I'll be doing the same thing on the same day, right? <laughs> <laughs> I want an umpa band, but I'm going to do the orchestra. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, so that's very old, but I've never found, I can't get rid of it, but I've also never found an excuse to wear it rather than just wandering around the house going, I'm wearing a tuxedo. I like to give away my clothes. So there's been people that I've, so I was at a gig once and someone said, I love your shirt. Afterwards, this like gay girl was like, she might not have been gay, but she was like, oh my God, I love how you dress and I love your shirt and you're just so cool. And I was like, what the shirt I was wearing tonight? And she was like, yeah, I just love how you dress. And I was like, have it. It's. It's like a dress, that I, it's like a shirt that I got from a charity shop. It's no big deal, I just have it. Don't get me wrong, I'm not doing that all the time. I'm not that nice of a person. I was a nice person once. Is there an era that you wish you existed in fashion-wise? Uh, 1920s. You know, when women first, not, I don't know if it was when they first started wearing suits, but when women were sort of, almost sort of like mocking masculinity in tuxedos Mm. i'm sort of thinking bright young things have you seen that film yeah well i know of the bright young things and the happy valley set yeah yeah so that sort of i mean the thing is i think you know when people say like oh if you had to live in another time i think what you're really saying is which era would you like to be rich in because i think if i was (laughs) yeah of course if i was from my stock in the 1920s it would have been fucking awful but i want to be like part of like (laughs) i want to live in like berkeley square and have tea at the Ritz. <laughs> so I would like to be rich in the 1920s. I'd like to be a rich lesbian in the 1920s. Oh, imagine what you'd be getting through. Swanning off to Berlin. Woo, <laughs> having a fair with all the all the bored wives. Oh, you'd do very well in the 20s. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. And I think we've just come up with a... I think we've just come up with a picture of a sitcom as well. <laughs> <laughs> What's your relationship with shopping? Do you look, like it? Do you do it online? Do you prefer it in person? I don't particularly like online shopping. There's like a couple of brands that I that are like only online. There's like there's actually was like a jumper that you put up that you were wearing a little while ago that I then went and bought. So I try and like if I can, I want to sort of support new sort of businesses like that and people that are you know because I know how hard it is to sort of make a living out of, out of a creative industry, and so I try and support places like that. But then I do really like going to like Selfridges. Because there's a floor where where you can get women's suits, basically. 
where you can get really good suits and it, it's a very new thing for me be, to be able to afford that sort of clothes those sorts of clothes and don't get me wrong you know I'm coming to you from a two-bedroom flat in southeast London it's not like I'm like unbelievably wealthy but this is sort of the first period of my life where I can afford to go to somewhere like that and buy something you know it would have to be for work or for an event or for something important it wouldn't just be that I'd go and buy something enormously expensive all the time but that and then I got um I had a suit made in Edinburgh <laughs> it was quite funny actually we've mentioned Tom quite a lot in this call the last time we were both in Edinburgh um so the last Edinburgh festival I was having quite a nice run but I find the whole thing very stressful and horrible and Tom wasn't there that year and I was spoke to him and I said do you know what I'm gonna I'm going to treat myself to a suit. And he said, go to this place where I got my, where I get my suits when I'm in Edinburgh or where I've bought a suit from before. They'll be really nice. Tell them what you want. Tell them you want to go androgynous. Be great. And so I go in. They're really nice. I said, my friend Tom Allen suggested I come. They knew Tom. They remembered him from the year before. Great. I said, look, I'm androgynous. I want to wear this. Anyway, so I bought this suit. I was absolutely delighted with it. And I took a picture of it and sent it to Tom. And he sent back a picture. And on that day, he was wearing the exact same suit. <laughs> So we, we have the exact same suit. So doing something like that, I think, is really... Uh, that, that that sort of felt really special for me to be able to do that. But I like to sort of feel the fabric. And I have to go out thinking... I can't just go into a shop and think, I could buy anything in here. I need to go, today I am looking for... Or I'll see someone on Instagram. I'll see someone at an award ceremony. I'll see someone that I'm inspired by. Or I'll see a music video. I'll see a picture of Chris from Christine and the Queens. And I'll go, that is the look. That is what I want. I want that. And then I will go out and try and create my version of that. I can't just I can't just willy-nilly into a shop and be like, is it a jumper? Is it a top? Is it a pair of jeans? No, 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 no. I'm going for a thing. You're on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> so this, like, very, I think, iconic Susie style that we have now, do you think it'll move drastically when you're older? No, I do don't think, think so. Do you think you'll be back in dresses? Or do you think <sighs> no. this is it, a version of this? I think this is it. Me and you, on whatever a podcast, whatever we're calling a podcast, in 2060? Let's say 2060, let's say. And I think you've just become one giant sequin. <laughs> we basically can't see you. Um, and I will be in a suit and tie with a massive grey quiff, and I imagine a very strong colour of spectacle. Yes. Can I you can see, see it? it? You can see it, can't I you? I can see it, yeah. I really can see I it. I sort of always want to look like I might edit a magazine. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or have a, or be a, an iconic photographer as well. It's that kind yeah, of and Leibovitz, of course. Yeah. I, I, I basically <laughs> want to be the gay version of Devil Wears Prada. One day, it's going to happen, sorry to break it to you, but you m might leave this mortal coil. What's the outfit that you're going to be buried in? Whoa! I did not know it was going here. <laughs> is this what the podcast is? You're going to cut all the other it's, stuff? It's only for this question. Yeah. <laughs> Just, this um... is actually, it, it's co-op funeral care sponsoring this, so yeah. <laughs> Or do you know something that I don't and everyone's roped you into this? Yeah. And's like, listen, we need to get a, sort of a, ask her what song she wants playing. <laughs> okay, so take that, never forget. <laughs> and you want everyone doing the clap at the end. I would have thought so, yeah. I'm hoping that Robbie's gonna pop in. Uh and then <laughs> 
And uh, Carol King, you've got a friend. Okay, great to chat to you. Bye, Kiri. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do I want to be buried in? Maybe that tuxedo jacket that was in from like the 20s, from the 1920s. Maybe something like that. But then, ah, uh, do you know what? No, I know what I want to be buried in. A nice pair of pyjamas. <laughs> A nice pair of button-up pyjamas. I, I feel like, you know, it's not out of the realms of possibility that by the time I'm that old, I might be able to afford to have my pyjamas monogrammed. <laughs> yes, please. So I think a nice pair of pyjamas... And maybe like a silk robe over the top. Sort of sort of like Noel Coward on a Sunday. Von Dutch caps. Yes, about time they had a mention. Do you know what? I think Susie's magpie approach to dressing yourself is like loads of us, right? Nick a bit from here, emulate this person. Do you know what I mean? Take the hair from that person, take the shoes from that, you know, that show that you saw that you loved, that shirt reminds you of it. I love it. And you know what? We always ask guests in a pre-show interview who their style icons are. And it's so interesting where people draw influence from and then what it leads to sort of manifesting in that person. In fact, maybe we should put out um, an episode of of all those answers because they're so interesting if you want us to put out a style icons episode with everyone's answers why don't you pop us an email you can write to us on who you wearing pod at gmail.com also you can message us on our instagram um, we are at who you wearing pod and also we're going to be popping up pictures of Susie there she sent some absolute belters over i really loved Susie's journey with her hair as well because you forget that, don't you? Well, especially I do as someone with longish hair, that we still associate long hair with femininity, which is just so redundant. And you can obviously hear my adoration for Susie's face and short hair <laughs> in this chat. And I really love that Tom Allen encouraged Susie to experiment with tailoring in suits because, thank God, Susie Ruffle in a suit is, I'll say it, perfection. Uh, hence Rachel Furban and I's... Um, screen grabs back to one another um, and that chat leading to creating um, basically our own erotic fan fiction about ourselves do you know what though I it's interesting when Susie was talking about dresses and feeling self-conscious I, I think it's sort of sad that on the occasion Susie has worn a dress people have just sort of fussed over it and commented over it so much that she then ends up feeling self-conscious and I just think that's really sad. You know, it's hard, isn't it? Because people mean well and they're just observing. But ultimately, like, let's not forget, shut the fuck up and stop commenting on what people look like unless you've got a lovely compliment for them. And even then be aware of how that can be barbed. I was talking about my friend the other day about when you, like, will lose weight and people praise you for it the, the, the people think they're doing a nice thing but all I mean in my case certainly all they did was like reassure me that if there's less of me I'm more you know the world likes me more and also you get this scary thing where you suddenly get this currency of privilege of being smaller and then you get terrified to lose it um so yeah ultimately shut the hell up when it comes to other people's bodies um Right. I would just like to take a minute now to say thank you so much to people who've come to see my tour and told me how much this podcast means to you. Now, I'm sort of used to people saying that they listen to my other podcast or Kalina Filler. That is obviously lovely. But this podcast is my little passion project. So 
it is extra special when folk listen to this one. Um, Shout out to the gal in Cardiff in a hand-sewn incredible outfit. Um, she started sewing a lockdown. She had this amazing dress on that she'd made herself. She said she loved the podcast and it made me want to weep with joy. Um, oh, and the babe in York, actually, where I was last night. She had a handmade jacket on. Loved. Uh, she came to see my show in Durham as well. What an angel. And really loved the Joe Black episode. Um, and another gal at York actually was like, you read out my message. And then her friends are messaging going, is this you? Uh, honestly, I love meeting you guys so much. It, it means an awful lot. So thank you so much. Now, this week's small business is a recommendation that came out of Susie and I's chat about wearing clothes more than 30 times. Apologies if you are very aware that that's wrong but that's that's sort of my received wisdom that like you wear it 30 times and it's not as bad for the world now this is a welsh female-owned brand called Datty clothing um it's run by two incredibly impressive women who also founded the sustainable studio in cardiff which is a studio space for small businesses in the city that supports the creative industries now Datty clothing Oh my God, they're brilliant in so many ways. For a start, they make some excellent t-shirts, which are fair trade and organic cotton. And they're printed in Cardiff with earth-friendly inks. And they have things like, so like the Promise t-shirt says, I promise to wear you more than three times, which is actually um, where I sort of became aware of wearing your clothes multiple times to make sure you sort of make them pay their debt back to the earth, to society. Oh, also, when you buy that T-shirt, Datty um, donate to the brilliant charity Welsh Women's Aid, which is fantastic. Oh, I also love that I will wear this to shreds T-shirt. Again, sort of reiterating the idea that we need to wear the clothes that we have instead of accumulating more. Um, and it's based on a beautiful Celtic phrase as well. Now, what I'm really excited about um, with Datty is their repurposing of clothes, especially with their rubbish jumpers range. Oh, God, it's so cool. So they work in the community principally with organisations that support LGBTQ plus folk and BAME groups. So they take the jersey offcuts from these workshops and community projects and then make a brand new jumper with them. So it's one of a kind. They're sort of oversized, unisex, super soft. And do you know what? You can even commission your own jumper from the ones that you already have in your cupboard. How amazing is that? I absolutely love them. I think these two women are so incredible. And also work with local artists to create sort of custom looks for them. They're phenomenal. So go and check out Datty Clothing. Now it's spelled D-A-T-I. Um, so yeah, check them out on Insta and their website, dattyclothing.co.uk. I love them. I think you're going to really dig them. Dig them. How old am I? Oh, God. Dig them. Can you tell I'm tired? Thank you so much for listening. Um, the final episode of this series is next week. And it's a very, very special episode with the mighty Joe Brand. So I'll see you then. Bye. Wearing is produced by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mary Phillips, and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production. Mm-hmm.